Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Life Coach and Grief Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 69, Motivation. Hello, hello, hello. We have a lot of new friends here, and I often think about how fun it would be if we were all in the same big room. And one of these days, we're going to do that. I think that would be a lot of fun. So welcome, new friends. Thanks for joining us here. In the last couple of months, the number of people listening has doubled. So thank you. Thank you for telling your friends and inviting them to join us. The more, the merrier. You may not like why you're here. I get that, but I promise to take really good care of you. You're the smart one. You're paying attention. You're realizing grief isn't easy and just hiding it isn't helping anything. So you're looking for solutions and that's what we're going to talk about every week. Getting clear about the problem and steps that will help. Let's talk about motivation today. You may or may not know that I'm writing a book and my manuscript is due to the publisher by April 15th. The book will come out this summer. A year ago, and even before that, really, I had an interest in writing a book, but I wasn't motivated yet to take action. Motivation is all about taking action. But over the last year, I've worked on my interest and my motivation, and I am motivated and committed to writing the book. Since I signed the contract with the publisher, my motivation has increased, as you can imagine. And by the way, be sure to go to buildalifeafterloss.com and get on the mailing list to be the first to get snippets from the book and get advanced notification that the book is available. I'm super excited about that coming out next summer. And I'm even considering coming to you next this coming summer not next summer, we're in 2020 and it's coming out this summer in 2020. And I'm, I'm considering coming to you. So if you know of a venue or you would like to gather friends and have me come and speak to your group, I would love that. It could be a church group. It could be your book club, whatever it is. I would love to come and visit. So let me know. I'd love to hear about that. So why do you suppose my motivation has changed since I signed with the publisher? Why have I been making the announcement that the book is coming out even though it's not available yet? Because these things increase my commitment to write the book and increase my motivation. I have internal and external motivation to write the book. The external motivation is increasing my internal motivation. Even though it was internal motivation that was strong before I even set up the external motivation. That's a lot of internal and external, isn't it? But hopefully you followed what I was talking about. As I write my book, I keep track of the word count. And as I keep track of the increase in pages written, and see the progress that strengthens my motivation further. So those are clues to some of the things that we're going to be talking about today because behavior motivates. It's our actions. We get motivated to take a little bit of action and that increases our motivation. 
And motivation, behavior motivates when we track and we notice and we pay attention and we see the progress that we're making. And you can claim anything as progress. And actually, it's super important that you do, that you recognize your progress in every area of your life. Do you work? Do you see your progress in the skills that you're gaining at work? Do you see your progress towards a goal that you have, maybe a fitness goal, maybe a weight goal? Maybe you have a financial goal. Do you track the progress? I'm remembering a few years ago, actually many, many years ago, we found ourselves in a bit of debt. We had six kids at home. I was homeschooling, so I wasn't contributing an income. And my husband was working and he had a great job, but there was a lot of demands on our finances. And I found our, I, we found ourselves in a bit of debt and I started tracking. I started tracking as I paid things off and it was super motivating to see the, the debt go down. And we did, we paid it all off, but I, I went in and I wrote down every account, how much was owed. And then every single month I paid down that amount and I tracked it every month. And I got to watch that progress. I got to see the progress. So I measured the gain, not the gap. That is a quote from, trying to remember, it is from Dan Sullivan. That's who it's from. Measure the gain, not the gap. So I wasn't focused on how much I still needed to pay off. I was focused on how much progress I was making. That's what I was focused on. When we consider, when we think about, when we wake up in the morning and all we're focused on is possible failures, that keeps us from moving forward even into the day. We, you feel, you, you feel resistance to even getting out of bed. Like why get out of bed if all you can think about is the possible failures? Journaling recently has been a huge benefit to me for tracking my progress. I've learned from Dr. Benjamin Hardy about journaling. I think I may have even mentioned it in the previous podcast. And it has supercharged my motivation because our mornings are the, are the times when we are most creative. And what I've learned from him is to do our creative work first thing in the morning. So I get out my journal and that's one of the things I do actually even with the podcast is I journal in the morning ideas that have come to me about what I can talk about. And I expand on those ideas in the morning when I have the most creative energy. Now I am recording this right now later in the day, but I'm recording the, the information that I'm, I'm recording comes from my journal and information that I wrote down over a week ago, early in the morning. And I've been getting up early. I've been getting up at 5, 5.30. Some mornings I get up as late as 6. Some mornings I get up as early as 4 if I have a lot of creation that I need to do. Journaling has been huge. And one of the things that he taught was to 
at the beginning of the journal is to write down the things that you want to see happen. So the first thing is to write down the wins from the last 90 days, the last year, the last month, whatever you choose, whatever time period you choose, but write down all the things, all the wins, all the gains that you've made during that time. And then write down what the wins are going to be for the next 90 days or the next month and even the next year and even look all the way forward to three years. And, and this may not be where you're at right now. And I totally get that. And that's totally okay. I'm, and I'm going to address that in a minute. Like if you're not there yet, how to, how to start, because we really do want to start small. You want to start small because you want to start creating wins. Wins. That means if you, if you've been getting up at noon, Maybe a win for you is getting up at 1130 in the morning. If you've been getting up at nine and you really want to be getting up by 830, maybe that's the win is setting your alarm and getting up at 830 and checking off and tracking and seeing that you got up at 830 five days out of the seven in the week, tracking the progress, seeing the progress, whatever that is for you. It's totally okay. Start exactly where you're at. Start with the things that interest you. I love to paint. One of the things that is really motivating to me is to have an opportunity to paint. And I haven't taken that opportunity recently. And that's something I'm looking forward to getting back to. I'm kind of right in the middle of a move that's going to take actually several months. And I'll tell you more about that probably as time goes on, but because of that, all my supplies are packed away and I'm, I, I'm going to find a way to pack some smaller things that I can take with me to continue that creative practice. But I also really enjoy playing the piano. In fact, uh, about, let's see, five years ago, I've taught piano lessons actually off and on over the years. And I haven't taught recently, but a few years ago, I, I challenged myself to memorize a piece. Memorizing might be easy for some people who play the piano, but it was never easy for me. It was always a challenge. In fact, I could probably count on one hand the number of pieces that I memorized as a student learning to play the piano. And most piano teachers will have their students memorizing constantly. It's part of the practice. There's a few things like memorizing, learning to read music, learning to sight read. These are things that are kind of standard. You, you learn music theory and so forth, but memorizing was so hard for me. And I don't know why. And I think mostly it was, in fact, I know that it was just a mental block that I, my life was full and I just could not wrap my head around memorizing. And plus I really enjoyed sight reading. And what that means is that, you know, when you pick up a book, you just read it straight through. And music is very much like reading a book. It's like reading words, except you're reading music. And one of the things that I have always loved is sight reading, which means that when I pick up a piece of music, I can play it usually the first time I see it. 
and not really difficult pieces, but anything that's intermediate and below, I can pick it up and play it. And that's what I really love. I love seeing new pieces of music. And so I had this mental block against memorizing. And then a few years ago, I decided to challenge myself and memorize a sonatina. And that's what I did. I memorized this first page. I didn't memorize a ton of it, but I memorized a good chunk of this song. And I I blew past my block that I can't memorize because I did. And so that is motivating when we pick a goal and we work towards it and we choose things that we're interested in. John Maxwell said, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. Now, why am I talking about that when it comes to motivation? The reason that I mentioned this quote you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything is because when we get wrapped up in a lot of things that we think we have to do and the shoulds weigh us down, the things that we should do, the things that we see on social media that say, do this for the perfect skin, do this for the perfect hair, do this for the perfect nails, do this if you want to sleep better, do this if you want to you know, whatever it is, the shoulds weigh us down. So if we focus on the things that we're interested in and we start small, we'll see an increase in our motivation. Focus on the things we're interested in, start small and track progress, and we will see improvement. But if we get overly concerned about a lot of things that really aren't important to us, then that zaps our motivation. The shoulds weigh us down. Never before in the history of mankind ever, ever have we had so many choices and so many expectations too. I, I, I've said that my, my nights would meet my mornings. Like in other words, I'd be up all night and the time that I should be waking up, I'd still be awake. I, my mornings would meet my nights. They would meet in the middle if I did everything that I should do. And you you can't see it, but air quotes, should do. If I did everything I should do, then my morning, I wouldn't, there would be no time for sleep. So we have to eliminate, especially if you're grieving, you really, really, really need to eliminate anything that you feel like you should do, but really, if you looked at it, maybe isn't very important because there's a time and a season for everything. And during grief, during a grieving season, it may not be the the time for even some of the, for even the, some of the things that you've done in the past. We have to be even so much more intentional about our choices just turn on the TV. When I was a kid, and this is going to age me, but when I was a kid, I think we had a choice of four stations. And even then, even then with just four stations, it depended on which station was coming in. If the wind blew just right, the station wouldn't come in. And music is the same thing. We get a music service and we have thousands of choices. We turn on the TV and there's thousands of choices. I have movies on demand with my cable service, and I think the on-demand choices for movies is something like 8,000. 
thousand choices. No wonder we have such a hard time making a decision. No wonder we don't feel motivated because we are completely overwhelmed. And especially when you're grieving, if you're in early, overwhelming, all-consuming grief, you want to be brutal about your choices and what you choose to do each day and even what choices you choose to make. Like even what what things that you, you may not even want to turn on the on-demand movies and try to find a movie in 8,000 choices. That will suck the energy out of you. In the middle of grief, is where you tend to get stuck the most often, because in many ways you're functional. In early grief, function isn't even, isn't even a thing. But as you start to heal, you start to be able to function. And even though you're in grief and you feel it, you pretend everything is okay, but you're able to function. And then you suffer internally. Internal physical injuries can be deadly. And so can internal grief. It can suck the life right out of you unless you choose to take action. In fact, many of my clients feel an immediate sense of relief as soon as we start working together, before we've even had our first meeting, because they are taking action, because they have made a decision to take action on their grief and their brain can settle down a little. When you have an internal physical condition, What does your body do to let you know? What signal does it send? It sends pain signals. It sends pain signals until you find and start working on some solutions. The same is true of your emotional being. You will feel pain, internal pain, until you decide to change something, until you start to take action and pay attention and start on a path of healing. So if you get in bed at night after a full day of pretending you're okay and you feel this rush of anguish and dissatisfaction and angst because you can't figure out how to let go of all the emotional pain, you can't figure out how to move through your grief and get to the other side where you can enjoy happiness again and satisfaction with life, then it's time to take action. It's time to do something. If this is you, Go to the link in the show notes right now and book your free consult and let's talk about it and see what's right for you. When you act, when you move toward activities of healing, when you even just start working on it, when you even, like I said, when clients start working with me, they start to feel some relief. And why is that? Because your mind can settle down because you're paying attention. So your mind doesn't have to keep sending the pain signals in at, at that intensity, it's not that you'll be immediately out of pain. I don't want to give you that impression, but it doesn't have to keep needling you to take care of the pain that's there, which creates more pain because you're doing something about it. Your brain doesn't have to keep yelling because you're going to start doing what it takes to heal. If you don't pay attention If you continue to ignore the pain, it's not just going to go away until you do something about it. You'll never quite be able to move forward because there's this internal drag on your days, your nights, and your years. You continue to exist day after day, year after year, without goals or plans or vision. 
And when we don't have vision, we feel lost. Because as people, we are people who need vision. Sure, you can mostly cope, but your inner sorrow is hurting you and your family. It hurts you because you lack motivation and your lack of motivation leads to lack of action and lack of action leads to lower and lower levels of self-esteem. How do you show up when you're hurting inside? How do you show up? I know how I show up and I'm guessing it's the same for you. You become impatient, you become down and even anxious. Your internal hurts zap your energy and hold you back from happiness and positive feelings. Without positive feelings, you find it hard to connect with your family and your, and your family suffers because of it. Their only response from you may be anger or negativity, and that's no way for you or them to live. And so you suffer and they suffer. Most people will naturally move through, not everyone, but most people will naturally move through the early levels of grief because their mind and body starts to adapt and it starts to recalibrate to a new reality. Often the social support you receive early on is sufficient to get you through. Then over time, you're left without support and with minimal support or unhelpful support that's inadequate to help you with the final stages of healing. Your, he- your support needs to be equal to your challenge. Healing, grief, sorrow, these are huge challenges that need additional support. And without the additional support, without the support you need, it gets even harder. You have an internal wound that stays hidden that you can't explain to anyone else because it doesn't make even make sense to you. So how are you going to explain to someone else? And your wound never sees the light of day and you are filled with shame and guilt. And you can't figure out why everyone else is okay and you're not. You feel stuck. You stay stuck in pain. And I get it. I remember the frustration of not knowing what to do to move out of the overwhelming pain of loss. Even when I got to the point where from the outside I looked like I was doing great, I couldn't figure it out. Internally, I was still hurting. But eventually, I found out that there were answers. There was a way to continue my healing. There wasn't anything wrong with me. I just didn't have the tools. I just didn't have the information. I just didn't have the support I needed. And because I didn't understand emotions and I didn't understand grief, I couldn't pull myself out of it on my own. It took specific grief support and specific individualized attention to my unique needs and desires. This is why you feel unmotivated because you're experiencing the constant drag. It is a constant drag of functional and hidden grief. It's, it's functional grief because on the outside, you look like you're doing great. Well, maybe not great, but you're functioning. You're getting up, you're showing up, you're there. Hidden grief is just that pain that's just internal and nobody else knows about it, or maybe very few people know. And I know you want more than that. You don't want to leave the grief hidden. You want to start discovering specific thoughts and patterns that are keeping you stuck. You want to learn about grief 
what works and what doesn't, so you can resolve the very specific grief patterns. When you stay stuck in grief, you develop heavy shame. Shame is all about staying hidden. If you've read any of Brene Brown's information or if you've seen her TED Talk, it's all about concealing any idea of something being wrong. That's what shame is. It's just hidden. The best way to deal with shame is to bring it into the light. And just to be sure that, that, that you understand, that doesn't mean you have to shout your shame from the rooftop in your neighborhood, or it doesn't mean that you have to post it on social media or create a YouTube video or blog about it for the world to see and see and read. It does mean you need to find someone you can confide in, someone you can share your concerns and worries with that can help you navigate until you arrive at truth and healing. Once you verbalize, once you express your shame, it starts to dissipate. Again, this is why you lack motivation. So for right now, start claiming everything as progress. If you get up in the morning, it's progress. If you feed your kids, it's progress. If you show up at work, it's progress. If you decide to put on makeup, it's progress. If you fetch the mail from the mailbox, it's progress. Claim everything as progress. You load the dishwasher, it's progress. If you put one spoon in the dishwasher, it's progress. Success creates success. So when you start to identify everything you're doing as progress and allow your brain to label it that way, encourage your brain to label it that way, you will start to create success, which is motivating. If you're ready, set a goal, small or big. If it's been a while since you had a goal, set a small one, you know, you can accomplish and then go for it. If you're a goal setter, set a larger goal and then measure the gain, not the gap. Again, that's from Dan Sullivan. Measure the gain, not the gap. If you want to increase your motivation, start with the small things. Start with the things that interest you. Eliminate the things that aren't important to you and track. Track so you can measure the gains. Thanks for joining me today. Visit me at buildalifeafterloss.com to download the three ways to start feeling better. The most important thing to do this week is to register for the upcoming webinar, Healing Body, Mind, and Spirit, which will be on March 3rd. The link is in the show notes, and I would love to see you there. I'm going to be live answering your questions, and if you can't make it live, you'll receive the recording. And remember to subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get the new episode each Wednesday. If you're loving the podcast, leave us a review. As a grief coach, I work with you right where you are and gently lead you through grief and rebuilding. You'll discover healing like you didn't know was possible. Schedule your free discovery session today at buildalifeafterloss.com. Remember, I believe in you. Talk to you next week.